The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, friends. Happy Saturday. At least I hope it'll become a happy Saturday. Wow. This week just went so quickly. Went by so quickly that uh, I can't even believe it's Saturday already, especially after all the stuff that happened. Before we get into ranting, raving, hooting, hollering, pointing out some of the silly stuff out there, I want to stop and make sure we all know we have to. We have to now stand up and tell everyone how much we support, love, appreciate, will fight for, will thank, and forever be indebted to the men and women of law enforcement. I know it's early Saturday morning. I know you're supposed to be relaxed. But last night, after, after 5 o'clock, between 5 o'clock last night and, and midnight... Six, six members of law enforcement in three different locations were targeted. One is dead now. One is teetering on the edge of life and death. And four other officers with bullet holes in their bodies are probably going to survive, but you never forget being shot. You never forget the gun pointing at you. I know. I've been on the wrong end of a gun, and I didn't have one. But in the case of the the six officers who were ambushed, I believe, last night, that's certainly what it looks like. There were two incidents in Florida, and there was another incident in Pennsylvania. In the Jacksonville incident, the one that happened just after 5 p.m., the one that was appears to be a total setup as officers were called to a known drug area. And there were three suspects that they pulled up to, and as they started approaching them, without firearms drawn, a fourth person appeared and shot the officers, killing one and gravely wounding the other. There was another incident in Florida where Officers were called to a, a scene of, of, of reports of a possible suicide, only to arrive at the house and, and be, be shot, one in the stomach and one in the hand. And in Pennsylvania, called to a scene where there might be domestic violence. And as they arrived at the home, again, a high-powered rifle fired through the door, striking one officer in the stomach and the other in the hand. This is the most important news of the day. Not Steve Bannon leaving the White House and and rejoining Breitbart as if he ever left. The real story of the day is the backbone of this country is under attack. The real story of the day is that the history of this nation is, uh, is being attempted to be erased 
so attack the history of America and, and then try and eliminate the police or try and try and uh, handicap the police by by making them think when they're going to help somebody that someone could be waiting, lurking, trying to kill them. This is probably the most disturbing news to wake up to as I got up this morning at just before four o'clock in the East Coast time to try and catch up on everything that was going on. And yeah, I expected to get a, a full load of all the crap about Bannon and the firing and what happens next. And I was looking to see if there was going to be any preliminary news on the rally that's supposed to be held in Boston today at noon, the free speech rally, air quotes. But I was bombarded with the stories of, of the attacks, three separate attacks, all appearing to be setups, ambushes of law enforcement, of people who get up and go to work to keep us safe, who put on a badge and a vest and go to work not knowing if they're coming home. In the case of at least one, that, that, that fear was realized as we now have one deceased officer, one dad, one husband, one father, one son, who's no longer coming home to those family, who know him and love him, his parents, his children, his friends, his co-workers, and another one gravely injured, hanging, clinging to life, Expected, based on the reports, to pass away. We now have two more, two more possible fatalities and four more officers, again, as I said, with bullet holes. Talk glowingly about police. Thank cops wherever you see them. It's got to be the most frustrating thing in the world to be driving around in a car that typically says to protect and to serve and to know that there's a healthy portion of the population that wants to kill you and on any given day is able to do just that. And now they're doing it with setups like this, calling you to what should be one of the most important calls an officer can receive, domestic violence. We're coming to save someone. Or suicide. We're coming to prevent someone from taking their own life, a sick person. We hear about mental illness being out of control in this country all the time. What kind of a sick individual uses domestic violence or possible suicide, mental illness, to achieve their ends? Officer Sam Howard is gone. I'm sorry, Officer Sam Howard is the officer who is still clinging to life. I believe it's Officer Baxter who's gone. Jacksonville and Kissimmee, Florida. Two places where cops were targeted. Blue lives matter. Blue lives matter. I'll say it all the time. Someone comes up to me and says to me, Black lives matter. I'll say yes. 
Yes, of course, black lives matter. All lives matter. But we have two officers from Kissimmee shot. One's gone, one's clinging to life. One suspect currently held. The, the information is, is still obviously coming in as these situations are unfolding. And, and what, what is the mainstream media gathering panels to talk about today that they, they've talked about for the last 18 hours? Stephen Bannon returning to Breitbart after turbulent White House run. I don't think Bannon ever left. And you idiots are being led around by your noses, mainstream media. This doesn't matter. This does not matter. What matters are the men and the women who protect all of your butts every single day. You ought to have the, the courage and the respect to stop and pay tribute to them. Instead of obsessing over palace intrigue, over the stupid story. We all knew Bannon wasn't, wasn't going to be in the White House long. We all knew. So stop it. Let's focus on what really matters. Let's focus on the real story. Let's focus on the humans. All right, early morning rant over. I'm not going to stop talking about cops today. I'm not going to stop talking about the men and women of law enforcement, but we have a lot more to talk about today. I have, uh, I have a, a vital question that I want to ask you. Yeah, I will talk about Bannon, but give me an hour. Give me an hour. I'm going to wake somebody up who, um, who knows more than I do about this. I want to talk about Boston. If you're in Boston and you're awake and you're you have anything to share about today's free speech rally, which I worry greatly, as Boston is worried, they're, they're going to have a massive police presence today. And after last night, I'm even more worried about the men and women protecting free speech in Boston. There's more stupid stuff about statues. If you were here with me yesterday, you, you heard about statues. We will get to the solar eclipse advice from Dr. Rick Feinberg. I, I promised it yesterday. I got all wrapped up in a couple of rants yesterday. And there's some history today. But if you want to join the conversation, 888 900 It's going to be a very interesting day today as we kick off a, a full Saturday of programming, brand new programming on the Blaze Radio Network. The vital question is posted. Go to Twitter, at StuntBrain. Join the conversation. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka 
on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Piro Pelka. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to give you a, a little bit of fun on a Saturday that where you wake up and you hear, my God, six cops were shot in three different places overnight. We'll try and keep an eye on all of that. I, I'm not going to stop talking about the cops ever, 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 ever. But there's more going on today. We, we do have this Boston free speech rally starting at noon today, and the city is uh, on watch, obviously. But the, the most important story of the day, and, and will be probably the most important story of the weekend, are the six officers, three different locations between well, last night, basically, within a matter of a couple of hours. Officer Matthew Baxter, just three years on the force, father of three, married to another officer on the same police force. He's gone. Rest in peace, Officer Baxter. Officer Sam, Sergeant Sam Howard is teetering on, on the edge of hanging in there. Then we have two officers in Pennsylvania in stable condition. The officers in, in Jacksonville that were shot in critical and stable condition. They were shot with the high-powered rifle. It all looks like a setup. All of it. So pray for the men and women of law enforcement. Pray for our country. If people are attacking cops like this openly, we have massive problems. Massive problems. Uh, to, today, uh, I've asked a vital question. It's on, on the Internet as we speak. And it was inspired by ESPN's Tony Kornheiser. Uh, Tony Kornheiser, an interesting cat, um, has, you know, has his little show. And uh, I love his Twitter handle. He refers to his own show on ESPN as uh, this show stinks. So, you know, he's got a sense of humor. But Tony Kornheiser has opinions on pretty much everything. That's why they've hired him, obviously. And he was mentioning the story of uh, Marshawn Lynch and uh, Bennett sitting for the national anthem or taking a knee during the national anthem at preseason games. And in a discussion of the anthem, Kornheiser said something pretty interesting. I say this a lot, and I worry that maybe I say it so much that people pay no attention anymore. This is a constitutional right. This is a guaranteed thing. If you don't want to stand for the anthem, you don't have to. A lot of times I say it in half jest, but I'm getting to the point where it's not even half jest anymore. I don't even know why they play the anthem. I mean, I play the Beach Boys. I like the Beach Play the Beach Boys. I like the Beach Boys. So where are you on this? Where do you stand on this? You want to weigh in on it? Triple eight nine hundred. 3393-888-900-3393. Kornheiser says we should stop playing the national anthem before games. Where, where are you on this? It's very early voting. But currently, 10% of you say, yes, we should stop playing it. 85% of you say, no, never stop. And 5% of you are confused. The, the early, early, early voting is, is easily in favor of this, obviously. But it's an issue 
We started playing the national anthem, depending on which report you believe. We started playing the national anthem either in the late 1800s or in the beginning of the 20th century when, uh, when we started playing, well, World War I was going on, and we started playing it, the anthem, before sporting events to try and rally patriotism for the country. And people do reference a September 6, 1918 game between the Chicago Cubs and the Boston Red Sox, where the, the anthem was played in the seventh inning stretch. Now, after September 11, 2001, the New York Yankees started playing God Bless America in the seventh inning stretch. And I believe the Yankees still do that at home games today. But the, the anthem, according to legends reported in the Washington Post, began the regular singing during the World Series game, 1918, when we were at war. And the, the issue, though, the, the reason why we started playing it at the start of the game, or to signal the beginning of the game, apparently was because in the middle of the game, at the seventh inning stretch, People were yakking during the whole thing. Not too many joined in. After all, that was a time in the game when people needed a break, either a bathroom break or they'd been sitting for six innings and they needed to stand and stretch. Kind of an interesting opportune time to get people while they're standing to stretch to listen to and or salute the country with the anthem. But the, uh, the ballparks were noticing, hey, people aren't paying attention. They're talking. So putting it at the start of the game, kind of an interesting take. So the national anthem, where are you on this? If you go through the history of it, it's, it's kind of, you know, the, everybody talks about how difficult the song is to sing, and it is tough to sing. But the... The Francis Scott Key lyrics attached to a, a song we often hear. It's a British drinking song. It was the song, the melody, to Anacreon in heaven. A poet, an ancient poet who was famous for uh, drinking and womanizing. So let's face it, the song, which is a tribute to drinking and womanizing, the music anyway, the lyrics, something very different. A battle song, if you will. But where do you stand on playing the national anthem? Should we keep playing it before sporting events? Or is it time to retire the anthem? Is it time to just say, no mas? We'll vote throughout the day, and the vote will be up for 24 hours, so I expect you to participate. When we get back, uh, we'll dig into some more of the news of the day. And uh, we'll talk... Eclipse. So put on your lead-lined suits and face magnetic north. The great solar eclipse is on the way. And more news, too. Come on back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. 
is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It's a Saturday, and it's all new programming. And after this show, right after this show, Jeff Fisher and the Jeff Fisher program are, are going to be here. So you've been warned. You can't, you can't say nobody told you. So don't complain about it when he shows up. No, Jeff, he's one of my favorite people. You guys know that. We are uh, saying good morning to uh, Toby, who apparently can't sleep. Snapping Duck is also awake. And uh, our buddy Vecca is awake as well. A lot of people out in the Pacific Coast region time zone are up this morning. Where are you guys in the East Coast? You weighing in already? Uh, we have a, a vital question of the day that's up and rolling, and it's about the national anthem. Should we stop playing the national anthem before sporting events? What say you? Currently, 82% say no, never stop. 13%, which is kind of growing that area. 13% say yes, stop playing it. And that. Standard 5% of you are just very confused about everything and you can't, you can't seem to, you can't seem to come up with an opinion here. I know it's tough. It's tough on a Saturday, especially after the week, the week we had. (laughs) Very strange week. You're going to hear more and more and more and more about the, uh, the departure of Stephen Bannon. It's going to be all over the news today. I'm telling you, it ain't that big of a deal. Even, despite what Bannon's saying to the press, they're, they're all talking about it. All the mainstream media is talking about, well, he gave a disturbing interview that said he's now got all his weapons back. But, excuse the violent rhetoric. He's talking about uh, once again being able to say openly that he is the the guy in charge of, the executive chairman, nice title, in charge of Breitbart. And I really don't think Stephen Bannon was ever that far from talking to the people at Breitbart. He'll still be talking to the president. The president said that he and Steve Bannon were friends. Mr. Bannon, as he called him in the last curious statement he made. So I don't think this is that big of a change. I think it's a consolidation of operational power at the White House. And, and that's really it going forward. So, big deal. Really, big, big stinking deal. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that the White House can actually settle down and start making progress towards uh, doing, doing what we were told was going to be done. I'm talking about, yes, tax reform. I'm talking about maybe maybe some infrastructure sugar from Uncle Sam, Uncle Sugar, to get jobs going in some of the places where we need better roads and airports and jobs. But most importantly, it's tax reform. And then maybe you guys will get on to trying to fix or get rid of Obamacare. Because the thing is is totally falling apart. Just got word that the guy we were going to speak to this morning uh, 
from uh, Breitbart London may or may not be joining us. So I was anticipating having a conversation at the top of the next hour, uh, but um, no luck. Uh, we, we might reach out and see what we can do anyway. Um, unfortunately, the things happen on Saturday mornings. I will get to the eclipse as we get nearer and nearer to Monday's big event. And by the way, if you're in Texas, even if you're in the Northeast, in seven years, there's another one. One that's going to kind of arc through from Maine through New York and down through Texas. If you draw a line between Maine and Texas, mostly Dallas, you'll see that it's going to go right through there. So you just have to wait seven years if you actually want to experience it without having to drive somewhere and pay an inflated hotel fee. So looking forward, you'll find another one in uh, 2024. That presumes we'll all make it. We were talking about baseball earlier and the fact that the uh, 1918 game between a World Series game between the Chicago Cubs and the Boston Red Sox is one of the generally accepted beginnings of when we started using the national anthem as a uh, something that was part of the regular regular order at baseball games and sporting events. And I started thinking about uh, interesting moments in baseball and that, that, you, that gimmickry, I, I hate to call the playing of the anthem gimmickry, but um, it was used to, to drum up support for World War I, essentially. But patriotism never really goes out of style in my world. But when you look at baseball, there's all kinds of things that happen in baseball that are worth noting, especially on the anniversaries. And uh, in 1951, on August 19th, a little bit of magic happened in baseball. A little bit of magic happened as uh, Eddie Goodell made his Major League Baseball debut with the St. Louis Browns. And he walked on four pitches. Eddie Goodell came in as a pinch hitter. But you don't know Eddie Goodell? I've not been to the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, but I'm guessing there might be a plaque or some mention of Eddie Goodell in Cooperstown, especially referencing August 19th of 1951. Eddie Goodell was signed to a short contract by the team owner, St. Louis Browns team owner, Bill Vec. See, Vec, Vec, who was later associated with the Chicago White Sox and before that the Chicago Cubs, his dad was president of the Cubs. And when Vec was a little boy, he spent a lot of time hanging out at, uh, at the Cubs and what would eventually become Wrigley Field. When his dad died, Vec dropped out of college and he went to work for the Cubs. He's the guy who planted the ivy in Wrigley Field. So when you see the Cubs games and the home games of Wrigley Field, despite my disdain for the Chicago Cubs and my love for the White Sox, Wrigley Field was an amazing place to watch a ball game. It was a classic Classic ballpark. And the fact that the walls aren't padded but do have 
uh, ivy growing on them added to the charm. Well, Bill Veck put that ivy there. He left the Cubs organization and started going out on his own and bought a chunk of the Milwaukee Brewers, then sold that, made a big profit. And at the age of 32, he put together a group that bought the Cleveland Indians. He started adding interesting things to the ballpark when he bought the Indians. He was the guy that put the Cleveland Indians on the radio. People were thinking, you're not going to want to hear, you're going to want to go to the game. You're not going to want to hear somebody talking about the game. (laughs) Wrong. He put wandering minstrels, people playing music in the stands. Bill Veck was the guy who said, we have to get more women into the ballparks. So he put a babysitting service at the ballpark. Can you imagine going to a Major League Baseball game and checking your kid into a babysitting service? On ladies' days, he brought in fragrant flowers from Hawaii to give to all the ladies. The Indians had been drawing under a half million fans before Bill Veck got to the ballpark, before Bill Veck became the owner. In 1948, the Cleveland Indians drew 2.6 million fans, thanks to the genius and showmanship of Bill Veck. Amazing. He had to uh, sell the team he loved and built in 1949 because uh, he needed money to settle a divorce. So he sold the team and then took what money he had left and bought another losing team, the St. Louis Browns. Now the Browns on August 19th were playing a doubleheader against the Detroit Tigers. And in the, in the second game, in the very early part of the second game, the manager sent Eddie Goodell to the plate to pinch hit for Brown's outfielder, Frank Saucier. Here's the thing about Eddie Goodell. He was three feet, seven inches tall. <laughs> he, worked, he worked in Chicago in uh, obviously various kind of sideshow environments. The Tigers pitcher, Bob Kane, standing on the mound, looking confused and stunned. The umpire, Ed Hurley, was, was freaking out, saying, All right, what is this? This guy, you, this guy can't be on the team. They actually stopped the game and forced the St. Louis Browns to show proof that Eddie Goodell had a, a legitimate... A legitimate contract. The crowd could not believe it. The pitcher stood on the mound and attempted to throw strikes at the three foot seven inch tall Goodell. Four straight pitches over his head. He trotted to first base and they actually took him out and you know put it a pinch runner. It's the only time he was at bat. The only time. Bill Veck, one of the one of the great showmen in uh, in sports in baseball, he went on to own uh, the Chicago White Sox twice. 
and uh, he broke team attendance records. Bill Vec was the guy who brought Harry Carey from St. Louis to Chicago. Bill Vec made Harry Carey, the legendary broadcaster who most of you know as a Cubs broadcaster, is, I believe, the first broadcaster to have an attendance bonus clause in his contract. Harry Carey would broadcast Sunday and Wednesday games from the bleachers at the old Comiskey Park and many times would enjoy several adult beverages during the game and was quite entertaining. Bill Vec passed away from lung cancer in 1976. He was also a war hero. He lost part of his leg in World War II and uh, never let it slow him down. A guy who served his country and served the great American pastime. And on this day in history, Bill Veck remembered for putting Eddie Goodell into a game, a guy that stood only three foot seven inches tall. <laughs> he faced four pitches and will forever be in the history books. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka, 888 Somebody's up this morning. Phil in New Hampshire, welcome back to the show, sir. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you, Mike. I, <laughs> uh, good morning. I'm, uh, I'm making progress on the roof, so I uh, feel good. Um, well, that's good. But, uh, you need it. I, Winter's I, I, coming sooner for you than it is for me, so get moving. <laughs> Well, that's exactly why my son and I are up here. This has got to get done, and it's a big, nasty, terrible one to, to replace. So, uh, Anyway, um, if you don't mind, I'd wait. Take a breath here. I just got done stripping a um, bunch of shingles. Um, on the national anthem, you know, it's one of those things where, sure, I guess, maybe, would be my response. But then my secondary thought these days is, you know, the – the left doesn't seem to have any breaks. So the the thing is, so when are you going to stop? You know, so if this is it, I, I just don't trust anymore that, that you just don't want to denude the entire country. And then by the way, maybe we should go overseas. I mean, maybe we should go back to ancestors of all Americans and go to their countries and clean up the mess that, that they might've done their indiscretions. Um, a lot of things, you know, we all have ancestors from overseas, every one of us. And uh, so let's say I'm a German-Austrian Mennonite, which I am by heritage. Well, I want to go to Merkel, I guess, and get the family farmland back. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, all this stuff, it's like, how far do you want to go back? Are there any limits? You guys definitely don't seem to be able to control yourselves. And uh, I mean, this gaining of voting blocks the the root of it all i think is uh is there but on a philosophical level it's like so do you want to go punish the eskimos i mean they they had some bad habits with animals phil um, you're you're different. you're 
You're absolutely 100% right. I'm up against a hard break, so I'm going to have to cut you off. Excuse me, but yeah. Where does it stop? I'll tell you where it stops. With the erasing of America. That's the ultimate goal. To wipe it all out. Join us. We'll talk uh, after the break with a guy from inside at Breitbart, London. Next on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Second hour of Pure Opelka on this Saturday morning. A lot going on in the world. We are, of course, keeping our eyes on the condition of the five officers who were part of the six who were shot in what appear to be three separate ambush situations last night. One officer has already passed away and uh, one is gravely ill, two others in serious or critical condition and two in stable. So we are monitoring the situation. Three different locations, two Two would appear to be ambushes in Florida and one in Pennsylvania. This is bad stuff. And uh, we, need to, we need to keep law enforcement in our, in our minds and in our prayers today. I didn't speak too much about the Stephen Bannon story that the media is so obsessed with uh, at, the, at the risk of not covering vital things like, oh, I don't know, the ongoing hunt for the killer in the in the uh, terror attack in Barcelona and the cell that is apparently now engaged and the incidents that they were involved with and the Finnish terror attack, the knife attack. Oh, by the way, there appears to be one that happened in Russia early this morning as well, a knife attack. So we're, we've got our eyes on all of that, but I, I need help when talking about the Stephen Bannon story because Frankly, I, I'm not just going to repeat to you what the networks are saying and putting out there. So we reached out to a guy we talked to earlier this week, uh, the author of a new book that I'm still waiting on mine to get here. It'll, it'll be here in minutes. Uh, it's uh, our, the author, Raheem Kassam, who's also the editor-in-chief of Breitbart London. So he's a guy who knows a little bit about the Breitbart situation. But the book No Go Zones is out there. You should check it out. You should also follow, follow Raheem on Twitter, at Raheem. He's got one of the simple names, at Raheem. Must have been an early adopter of Twitter. Welcome back, sir. Uh, good morning. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? It's actually, it's, I wish I did have at Raheem. It's actually at Raheem Kassam, but I've, I've, done a, and I've done a little thing where I make it look like I have at Raheem, but I don't. You trickster. How did you do that? <laughs> it's just a way to change the name on your Twitter. And everyone ends up thinking you've got a different Twitter account. It probably doesn't help me in the long run, really, because people can't find me. Okay, it's at Raheem Kassam. I, I was fooled, but nicely done, sir. <laughs> are, you, um, are you in the States still, or are you overseas? <clears throat> yeah, I'm in New York today, uh, Washington, D.C., tomorrow, um, because I've, I've, got a, I've got a new boss. Uh, Mike, and I, I think I need to go and see him. <laughs> well, isn't the new boss the same as the old boss, to coin a phrase? <laughs> the king is dead, long live the king. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's really it's really funny uh, because it's it's uh, almost the exact same thing I went through with Breitbart a couple of years ago when I left the organization to go and be uh, the chief of staff to Nigel Farage, uh, the UK Independence Party. And there was almost the exact same situation, internal fighting. People wanted me out after a year. I was too abrasive and too demanding and too right-wing and all this sort of stuff. Um, and, then, uh, and then I woke up one morning in New York to find that uh, I was on vacation to find that uh, they had forced me out. And uh, I went, I went to, saw, uh, and to see Steve, for lunch, and he gave me my job back at, at Breitbart. And I see Steve's going through exactly the same thing right now. Wow, that is it. That's fascinating. So you'll be at the embassy sometime tomorrow, I guess. I would guess so. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the magnificent the magnificent old Breitbart HQ. I've I've been there myself. Uh, it's a, mm. it's an interesting place. Now, in terms of the news that we're hearing, Raheem, the. Uh, yeah. The story, the line is that uh, Stephen Bannon is back as executive chairman of Breitbart. Mm. Technically, in, in, did he ever really leave? Because there never seemed to be a, an actual break in the ties, which I, I still talk to my old cohorts once they leave the blaze. Mm. We're still in touch. I don't think we ever fully sever because, let's face it, in journalism... And uh, it, 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 the ties are close. It's not like there's a factory job we go to. There's a real personal connection there. So I don't, it, am yeah, I wrong I in mean, assuming was, he never left? Yeah, I, I mean, he did leave. I mean, it was slightly different than somebody moving to a different, uh, you know, different journalism job. It was it was moving into the White House. And, of course, there were restrictions and there were people who were very, you know, who were scrutinizing very carefully what he was doing who he was talking to what his business interests were um and you know maybe maybe everybody in the left-wing media was was looking at him was looking at gawker so you know it's, it's, it would not be fair to say that he severed all ties with everyone but but with the company with its management with you know commentary on on how it's run uh, which is basically you know what the, his job was uh, he had no input on that i mean i saw him several times and he didn't even bring the company up um didn't even bring the didn't even bring my reporting up which maybe maybe says more about my reporting than anything else <laughs> <laughs> um, but 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 no he he you know to be fair he did he did what he was supposed to do um and that is not uh, you know not have anything to do with the business Okay, so yeah, fair enough, and that's a you know it's a it's it's a question that I felt compelled to ask because you wonder uh, when when you are in an operation like like Breitbart, like The Blaze, like any of these small journalism outlets that churn and and really do mm. work closely, it's hard to separate yourself. But I fully understand and respect what you're saying on that. And if he's out and well, back... I mean, it's the it's the mindset, isn't it? You can check out, but you can never really leave. Um, sure. You know, I'm sure I'm sure he would have been thinking all day, every day, whenever he was checking the Breitbart site. I would have done it this way, or I would have done it that way. You know, I remember when I was working at UKIP uh, one day, going over to the uh, to the Breitbart offices um, and just knocked on the door and said, "Why are you covering this story like this? Why aren't you covering <laughs> it like that?" And you know, my old my old staff said to me, I, "I don't think we care what you think." <laughs> well, uh, you're very accurate and fair point on that. So when when uh, Stephen Bannon now says, I finally got all of my weapons back in my hands, I assume he means Breitbart. 
he assume he means radio. I, I assume he'll mm-hmm. be back at Sirius XM. And when he says, I'm not going to attack the president, but I'm going to support uh, the mission, uh, mm. I think we should take him at his word. Well, I, he, he's rarely ever somebody that says something that, that, that is a, a misdirection or that he doesn't mean. I think I think it's accurate to say that President Trump's inclination is towards the Steve Bannon school of thinking. Uh, this goes back decades before they even knew each other. You only have to look at Trump's interviews from from decades ago, where he's talking about the talking about economic nationalism. He's talking about the bad trade deals that America is signing, um, and and so I think I think the two dovetail on that quite naturally and effortlessly. Um, but. I also think that the President Trump has surrounded himself now with with people that that are not helpful to that message. They're not helpful to the base policies. They're not helpful in in terms of getting you know major legislative items checked off. I don't think there have been any yet. Um, and so so when when Bannon says you know I've got my hands back on my weapons, when Joel Pollock tweets hashtag war, you know when all of this sort of this sort of it's playful aggression, but it's aggression uh, comes out. It's us saying, well, hold on. We are we know who around the president is a problem, and we're going to let the world know too. And and that we started that. Don't forget, right at the beginning in January, when the wrong people started coming in, the you know Breitbart.com was the first place to sound the alarm on some of these people. And we're just going to keep keep doing that and keep letting people know who's acting against the interests that got President Trump elected. Well, as the editor-in-chief of Breitbart London, and obviously you're going to be in direct communication with Steve Bannon, uh, can you name names of who who are those people that are currently so close to the president but so far off what you and uh, Mr. Bannon and, and the president consider the main mission? Sure. I mean, at the moment, um, the big names are, are ones you'll probably know of, uh, Gary Cohn, Jared Kushner, Dina Powell, um, uh, uh, H.R. McMaster. I mean, the, all the big slots at the moment uh, are filled with people who have more of a more of a sort of neoliberal mindset than, a, than an economic nationalist mindset. These are people who would have been more comfortable in the George W. Bush administration. And and not you know I'm not trying to to, to slag off the George W. Bush administration, but but it had its time, and and we elected something different this time. We rather you did. I just watched. Um, you're looking at something different this time, and so and so it's it's, it's it, it makes it makes people feel very upset, very sad when to think that that whiteboard of of potential achievements and achievements that Steve Bannon had up in his office in the West Wing is now in in the back of a removals van somewhere. They want that whiteboard. They like that whiteboard. Well, I I wonder if the whiteboard has been kept. I was. It's so funny you brought that up because there was that photo of the whiteboard that showed all of the uh, goals, the targets that that Mr. Bannon wanted to accomplish. And I was the minute I heard that he was out, I was wondering, did someone erase the whiteboard or are they keeping it? Because I would advise him to keep it. I think it's I think it's always good to have the person who was your senior advisor to have their notes and to look and see, well, was there something in here we missed? You may have split mm. from him, but you obviously liked what he was doing to hire him. So you wouldn't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater as it as it is. Now, ab- about this crew that you named, 
there have been folks who've labeled them globalists. Is that mm. a, a fair term to look at at uh, Cohn and Mnuchin and, and McMaster and Kushner and say these are yeah. globalists and, and that's why they're in the uh, in the dark corner? I think that's probably right. I mean, I think globalist, centrist, um, in some cases, I think even closet Democrats, um, or not so closeted given given Jared Kushner's donation history. But, you know, uh, the media is trying to portray that the, that the use of the word globalist is somehow this anti-Semitic trope now. You know, of course, everything mm. at some point delves into into bizarro world with these people um because because gary Cohn is jewish so apparently globalist now is, is anti-semitic and i say to them well you know your allegation that only jews can be globalists is the deeply anti-semitic thing <laughs> um you know it, it's it's a not it's, it's nonsense you know globalist is one word for it you know uh, uh centrist is another uh, there is there is a there is a problem in there now, and, and Steve Bannon gave this interview to the Weekly Standard yesterday, where he said, you know, the, 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 we will continue to support um, the efforts of President Trump, but the Trump presidency that that you elected in November is over right now. That doesn't. There's nobody in there right now carrying the torch for that. There's nobody in there with a policy purview. That is that is carrying that torch, and and that made me that made that made me a little bit upset, if I'm honest with you. Um, but it's about fighting to get that back now. And yes, I'm afraid. While you don't expect someone like Jared Kushner to ever lose the ear of the president, you can expect to to have the people like Gary Cohns and the Dina Powells. You know, they can wait their turn till they get their next uh, till they ne- get their next Bush. Um, these are people that would have been in there, by the way, if Jeb Bush had been in there, no doubt. Um, so they can they can wait. It's it's. it's I'm going to be very clear about this. It's our turn. We're talking to Raheem Kassam, the editor in chief of Breitbart London, but also the author of a book you should check out called No Go Zones. We talked about Raheem's uh, book earlier this week, but he agreed to get up early on a Saturday and chat with us in the couple of minutes I've got remaining. You mentioned Jared Kushner's history of donations and Mm. that, you know, I I also agree with you that we should look at a person's history to understand a where they come from and where they might lean today. Mm. Can't we say the same thing about the president? Because he was a, a registered Democrat and independent for years, and a guy who donated to many Democrats over over the years when he was a private citizen. So is that a fair assessment to slap on Jared Kushner? We can absolutely say that about the president, but we were given the opportunity, or again, rather, you were given the opportunity as Americans to litigate that in public. Uh, you got to litigate it at a, at, a, at a primary, and then you got to litigate it at, at the election itself. Nobody gets the chance, and nobody has had the chance, to quiz, query, and 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 understand where Jared Kushner's head is at. Nobody's had the chance to to investigate whether or not his views have changed. Nobody's had the chance to hear him give big speeches to crowded auditoriums and then decide that they want to tick a box next to his name and say, yes, this is somebody we want in there carrying our agenda out. So I don't think the comparison is entirely fair. The American people were given the chance to see, uh, and so, you know, so was the Republican base given the chance to see if they approved of Donald Trump and his, and his uh, pivot away from his past, like you say, as a Democrat donor and as a New York liberal, and they accepted that. We haven't done that with Jared Kushner. We've not been given the opportunity 
to do it with Jared Kushner. Jared Kushner is very quiet, very behind-the-scenes character. And while I don't expect that every cabinet position and every advisor position is going to be an elected position, um, I do expect that when you put a team together, you don't simply put a team together because they're your family members or that they're good at those jobs, but because they also believe in what the base elected you to do. And I think that has probably been President Trump's biggest mistake of the presidency so far, is putting these people in that, that actually, I don't know your audience, but, but certainly the Breitbart radio audience, certainly uh, uh, Andrew Wilkow's audience, um, certainly Sean Hannity's audience, all these guys, these, these, these huge audiences, the, the guys that propelled Trump into the White House, they don't want the Kushners of the world in there. Well, I'm certainly one who's dubious of someone whose closest connection happens to be because of his in-law status. So, uh, And as you said, that we haven't had a chance to vet or even understand or question the background. And I think that's a fair requirement for anybody who we're going to allow to have the ear of the president or to be considered that advisor. And that's frankly why I, I guess the Senate has what it has in terms of advising and uh, approving mm -hmm. people that have that kind of power in cabinet positions and such. Advisors, different things. Czars, different thing. Raheem, I could talk to you all day, man. You are uh, you're a guy who loves the uh, loves the information and the debate and comes loaded with facts. I certainly appreciate that. So anytime well, you, you want to really come back, you are welcome, sir. His book is No Go Zones. You can find it. Uh, go find uh, Raheem Kassam on the Twitter at Raheem Kassam. Good luck with the old boss who's now the new boss again tomorrow, sir. And please stay in touch. Will do. Thank you so much. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Your Opelka with Mike Opelka. 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. That's the phone number. We've already had some interesting conversations with our, our friends up in uh, New Hampshire and our friend in New York, Raheem Kassam, who's headed to D.C. to meet with Stephen Bannon back at the... It's called the Breitbart Embassy. It's a brownstone just about three blocks off of, uh, I think it was the Supreme Court we were behind when I went over there a couple of years ago. Interesting building. They own some, some uh, very expensive real estate in the district. I'm sure it's worth more now. Everything in, in Washington goes up. Uh, we're watching a couple of areas today, a couple of hot spots. We're watching Boston as the city is on edge for a, quote, free speech, close quote, rally at Boston Commons. Um, and and there may be some competing demonstrations. So, uh, Boston, let's let's hope you hold it together today. I know many people have dropped out saying they don't want to be speech speechifying with some of the folks who are there. So that's interesting. We're also keeping an eye on the three different incidents where six police officers, two in each city, were um, shot, targeted, basically. 
one officer has died, another one is clinging to life, and uh, those two are in Kissimmee. Then there are uh, two other officers, one, two in Jacksonville and two in Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh, who are probably going to be okay, but they all need our prayers, especially the family of the officer who has already passed. So pray for law enforcement today. Pray for Boston today. And uh, do you have an iPhone? I got to tell you about what's coming up on the new operating system, iOS 11. Some interesting stuff, security stuff. I'll share next. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We are at the uh, midway point of this Saturday's program, meaning it's time for me to remind you immediately after this show, all day Saturday, brand new shows on the Blaze Radio Network, followed on on this program at 9 a.m. Eastern, Jeff Fisher and the Jeff Fisher program. And this is about the time that we see from the security cameras on the loading dock that Jeffy's car pulls into the loading dock so he doesn't have to walk outside in Dallas. He actually parks his car inside the building. There's a loading dock because it's a a movie studio as well as radio facility. It's got a giant door. And Jeffy pulls in in that... uh, Well, I'm not going to tell you what kind of car he has. I don't want to risk his own safety and security. But Jeffy pulls in, and uh, it's not a Rolls-Royce Dallas. It, it might be Rose Royce singing at the car wash, but it's not a Rolls-Royce. I know that for certain. Jeffy would buy American. But uh, so Jeffy's arrived. Uh, he'll probably trundle down to his dressing room, even though there is no attire required for radio. We're appreciative of the fact that he does dress for radio. Um, big news, uh, not so big news, big news, but not so big news. The, uh, NAACP of Georgia wants that state to remove all Confederate symbols. And I would ask them to define Confederate symbols. What really does that mean? And how far does it go? And... Seriously, where where are you going to stop? Also, the same NAACP is calling for people to uh, now no longer attend NFL football games as long as Colin Kaepernick is unemployed. What? That's correct. The NAACP has decided that Colin Kaepernick's lack of Uh, employment in the NFL is because racism is keeping him. Those racist owners are keeping Colin Kaepernick off the field. Could be that he had one good year and then a horrible year and he became a toxic PR problem 
and that the owners have decided, no, no, we're not going to hire this jack wagon because we'll have to spend more time apologizing for what the hell he does off the field or before the game, as well as his non-performance if he doesn't perform well. So I'm just, I'm just wondering, when are we going to stop? Seriously, Colin Kaepernick is allowed to go wherever he wants and try out wherever he can and work for whomever will hire him. Perhaps the Canadian Football League would be a great place for Colin Kaepernick to go. Perhaps the CFL, one of maybe the Toronto Argonauts, will be the place for Colin Kaepernick to ply his trade. You know, they do run around a little bit more in that league. I think that might be a better place. And they also have penalties if you try to hurt somebody. So maybe that's a more sensitive place for Colin Kaepernick to go. But for the NAACP to say, we don't want anybody to go to the NFL until Colin Kaepernick has a job, is just flat out wrong. What is this, affirmative action for the football leagues? Boy, NFL, you are going to have a bigger problem this year than you know. Earlier today, we, we posted a vital question of the day because... Tony Kornheiser of ESPN came out and said he thinks we should stop playing the national anthem at, uh, at sporting events. So I've asked the vital question this morning. It's posted on Twitter at StuntBrain. It's right there at the top of my Twitter feed, at StuntBrain, all one word, S-T-U-N-T-B-R-A-I-N. Should we stop playing the national anthem before sporting events, before games? Currently, Uh, 9% of you say, yes, stop playing it. 85% say, no, never stop. 6% of you can't make up your damn minds. Now, interesting that some of the comments that are out there under the actual survey, things like JR15, saying, uh, it is so ingrained in the culture, why remove it? Other Western nations follow our lead and do it. Pretend offensiveness needs to stop. Yes, I agree with you. Pretend offensiveness does need to stop. But is it ingrained in our culture? It's been a habit since apparently 1918. Robert Miller, Rogue Bear on Twitter, at Rogue Bear One, writes, the ability to have these games is dependent on the sacrifices of our armed forces. The national anthem recognizes and honors them. Keep going. At Wolverine Sentry writes, NFL does not honor the military or veterans on their own. They were paid millions by the DOD and branch of service to do so. Yes, that's true. That's absolutely true, that there are... There are uh, Payments from from basically from us, the taxpayers, because we fund the military and then the military promotes things. It'd be nice if the teams would do that on their own. At DC Valens writes, Olympic medal ceremonies. Sure. Sport leagues. No. We don't do it before movies, plays, rock concerts. Why just sports? Time to go. Interesting, Dave. That's an interesting point. Well, you know, before concerts, 
there was a um, a little bit of a controversy years ago back in I think it was the early 90s in New Jersey I was working at a, a pop radio station at Z100 on the wacky Z Morning Zoo and uh in in New Jersey Sinead O'Connor was scheduled to play a concert and before they start the show at the, at this venue in New Jersey they played the national anthem so before the the opening act even stood up before they they would stand up and and uh play have bring out the opening act they would play the national anthem and ask people to stand and sing Sinead O'Connor threw a fit even though she was going to be in the back of her dressing room maybe not even be on the property by then because there was an opening act before she was scheduled to perform but there are places that do play it there are there are concerts that do i remember as a little kid in little league in glenview illinois that uh they actually before every game would stop and play the national anthem and so i i'm i don't have a problem with respecting the country i don't have a problem with remembering the flag and the people who fought for it i don't have a problem with it i would say never stop playing it but there are those of you out there who absolutely are making a case and i respect your opinion I re respect your absolute right to be absolutely wrong. And wh why? I just want you to tell me why. Because if you're saying just because it's time, we've done it a lot already, that's not a reason. That's a lame, lame excuse. All right, I mentioned the new iPhone operating system. The iPhone operating system, uh, the next version, the OS 11, is going to have some uh, interesting uh, additions to it. Apple is, is making some changes. Now, one of the things people talk about is security on their phones. I get worried about security. We, we've been hearing Apple is going to remove the, the Touch ID on the iPhones and replace it with uh, an optical scanner that's going to read your face and or maybe just your eyes because they can identify you pretty much without any mistake by doing uh, facial recognition and or just eye scans, iris scanning. So uh, the new operating system is going to come with an option on the old phones that still have the fingerprint scanner that can lock the fingerprint scanner and basically become a 911 button. They're calling it the emergency SOS feature. And uh, the Touch ID, when you engage the emergency SOS feature, the Touch ID will be temporarily disabled. And you would do this by quickly hitting the power button five times. That means you couldn't be forced to unlock your phone by attackers thieves or uh, some of us who are concerned that law enforcement would confiscate your phone and try and get at it. So if you've recorded something you want to protect, you're able to do it. The Touch ID is activated or re reactivated, deactivated by putting in your password eventually. The emergency SOS feature will send a message 
to your saved emergency contacts, and it also will share your location. I think you have to have a location tracking enabled to make sure that happens. But if do you have an emergency contact on your phone? I do. I, I think it's a wise thing to have. But this new feature, probably not going to be available on uh, iPhones until later this year. So uh, if you're worried about security, if you're worried about people, I always worry about if I lose my phone, will somebody be able to uh, crack it and open it? And if someone's taking it from you, do, do you have time to push that button five times? Are you going to have time to go one, two, three, four, five? I wonder. I wonder. Interesting. If you have an iPhone, maybe, maybe you're looking forward to uh, the... The uh, new iPhone 8, which should be, I think, coming out very soon, or the new OS 11. I'll wait and see. I'm, I'm not one of those beta testers. If you are and you have information, please share it with us. When we get back, because we're stepping away, uh, a little more news of the day. Plus, uh, do you have your Powerball ticket? Obviously, I didn't win the Mega Millions last night. I'm still here. Even if it had been 20 million, I'd be on a very lovely vacation right now. So uh, 530 million. Yeah, it's a good idea. We'll talk about Powerball. We'll talk about monuments because there's new dumb news on monuments. New, even dumber than the news yesterday about the people who painted uh, Christopher Columbus and Father Sarah, St. Sarah the missionary out in California. They painted his statue. There's new, even dumber attacks on monuments, and we'll get to them next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I need to get to this Chelsea Clinton story, but I need a little more time than we have in this block because she's at it again, trying to make herself relevant, not working. The story of the Missouri State Senator who declared on a Facebook post I hope Trump is assassinated, is now getting a discussion with the Secret Service and the governor of Missouri said that she should be removed if she won't resign. And she's not going to resign. I'm telling you this right now. She is not resigning. She's defiant. Maria Chappelle Nadal is the Missouri state senator who is no, no stranger to controversy. For years, and we've reported on Maria Chappelle Nadal before, during the Ferguson riots, during the destruction of a, a whole section of Ferguson. She was out there stoking the flame. She also has been reported about on the blaze as early as 2013, when she proposed a bill that would force parents to inform schools if they possess a firearm. 
And um, she said she would criminalize it in order to stop possession of a firearm or report it to law enforcement if uh, homes where there were children and firearms did not tell schools that they had a firearm. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm just so sick and tired of of the liberal left telling us how to raise our kids and run our lives, but she wanted to criminalize it. She said, I'm not trying to take away gun rights of parents or any other citizens or civilians. I believe in the Second Amendment. I just believe that the government should know who has what at all times. And if you don't tell us, you're going to have to pay a fine up to a thousand bucks. This woman is an example of the problem of the progressive left. The people who are constantly saying, stay out of my bedroom. Well, you need to stay out of my gun safe. You need to stay out of the heads of my children. You need to stay out of the out of the lives of private citizens. This is just another example of a progressive who is always talking about how liberal they are. As long as you agree with them, you're welcome to be with them. But the minute you have an opposing position, you are the problem. Uh, Maria, you need to go. Maria Chappelle Nadal. Missouri, do your job. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka. With Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka with Mike Opelka only on the Blaze Radio Network. Happy Saturday! It is uh, a Saturday that that I want to be happy, but there are certain things going on today that we need to be constantly mindful of. Number one, we need to remember law enforcement today. You should be remembering law enforcement every damn day. But today, especially as we had six officers targeted and shot, I believe targeted and shot. One has already passed away. One is teetering, hanging on to life. Two are in critical condition and two will probably be graded as stable and maybe released today. And it happened in three different cities. It's disgusting. These officers were responding to calls to help and and what what they met was just no other way to say but disgusting so pray for law enforcement today keep them in keep them in your hearts and your minds today especially as we deal with a day that has a a, a free speech rally and i'm using air quotes in boston where different groups will no doubt show up to cause a problem And then Dallas and Houston are reportedly also holding similar rallies. So pray for law enforcement today. Pray for the nation today. It's not not unusual to be concerned. As a matter of fact, 10 hours ago, Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska posted something that is getting a lot of attention today on social media. 
It's called the next Charlotte. The next Charlottesville, excuse me. Ben Sass writes, over the last week, many Nebraskans have told me some version of this. There are lots of us here who are scared about where the country is headed. I think more violence is inevitable. Sass writes, that much seems obvious. Less less expected was where some of them went next. One of my constituents, a fairly energetic Trump supporter and a middle-aged man, told me, to be clear, I think the alt-right are a bunch of a-holes. And we should admit that the president has done a bad job getting us through this. But when the next rounds of violence come, I'll bet you most of it will come from the left. And then some folks I know will respond in kind. It's going to be a powder keg. This was a constituent to, to Senator Ben Sass. Sass went on to say that my wife and I work hard to have chunks of family time that are politics free in our home, but we haven't been able and haven't been very successful this week. A few observations from the Sass family table talk. Number one, we have neglected the American idea for a long time. We haven't done civics well in this country for decades, and we are reaping the consequences. We are a hollow people. We have a whole lot of pluribus and very little unum, to quote Ken Burns. He's right on that. Even liberals, even liberals like Richard Dreyfus have talked about the importance of teaching civics. Dreyfus has been out there beating the drums on the fact that schools need to teach civics, and we need to teach it early. Instead, we're all touchy-feeling. We're worried about bathrooms. Ben Sass goes on to share from his family table talk, America is first and foremost an idea that all people are endowed by their creator with inalienable rights. This universal human dignity is because God made us. It's not because of our race, our wealth, or even our religious beliefs, as important as disagreements about theology are. Number three, white supremacy and racism are un-American, period. There's no way you can question that. Number four, the heartbreak in Charlottesville was the fault of the white supremacist. Heather Heyer was murdered by an act of terrorism. The driver used his car to target public marchers. Absolutely, 100% agree. Number five, sadly... I think the pessimistic Nebraskans I have been with this week are right that there will be more violence toward public assemblies in the future. Remember, the right to assemble publicly is in that First Amendment. One of those things we have to keep fighting for. Sass continues, I expect the violence will come when white supremacist and alt-right fight anarchist groups aligned with the extreme left. Yes, and what, what I wish the senator had noted in here is these groups are a tiny, teeny, tiny portion of America. They're not in any way, shape, or form, even combined, even close to a, a 20% of this country. I don't even think they make up 10% of this country. These are people who are out just to stir it up, just because they want anarchy. It's, it's awful. 
Ben Sass says he worries that national unity will be unlikely because there are some whispering in the president's ear that racial division would be good politics for them. I don't. That's something I take exception, exception to. I really don't think there are people whispering in the president's ear that racial division would be good politics for them. That's a little nerve wracking. Ben Sass, Senator Ben Sass, writing that he worries that some on the left are going to salivate over these divisions. Like the president's ear whisperers, they see a divided nation as good for political objectives. Yeah, I think there are people on the left and the right who think that uh, a divided nation is better for their power base or their hopes to increase their power. There's more on Ben Sass's Facebook page. You can you can find it if you're on Facebook or there. It's all, it's all over social media. He addresses the issue of the statues as well. He talks about the white supremacists in Charlottesville. He talks about the statues. And at the end of it, Ben Sass talks about the right time for each of us, parents, grandparents, neighbors, patriots, to pause and teach kids again about universal human dignity and about love of neighbor. This is a time for discussion and education and humility, not intimidation and mobs and midnight wrecking balls. A hundred percent agree with you. Let's teach kids why our First Amendment society fights with debate, not violence. Let's teach them those standing in threatening mobs don't stand with America. Let's teach them that while white supremacy is a cancer to our union, we need to teach them to reject identity politics. Teach them that all of us are created equal with infinite dignity and limitless potential. Let's teach them that what makes us Americans is not our skin, our wealth, our religion, but our shared creed. And see, people are afraid of that. I don't think people understand American creed. And this goes back to not teaching civics. Ben Sass closes by saying, it feels like violence is coming. I'm not sure if this moment is like the summer of 67 or not, but it might be. Before that violence strikes again, it's up to us to reaffirm that exceptional American creed again today with our neighbors and in our kids' hearts. Ben Sass is acting more presidential than just about any other politician out there. I salute you, Ben Sass, for having the courage to stand up and, and put these words out there and to share them with people. I wish the rest of the GOP and the Democrats and even the Democratic Socialists and the proclaimed libertarians who are elected and serving this nation would stand up and say the same. I don't think they will. I really think that it, it is time for us to, to tell people honestly, as Ben Sass is saying, that it smells like violence is out there, but it's also time for us to point out to say this is a tiny, minuscule part of our country. We have to reject them.
We have to reject them from the left and from the right. It's not about blame. It's about rejecting. It's about stopping. So thank you, Ben Sass. Thank you for putting that out there. I'm going to step aside. And when we come back, uh, I need to point out something dumb from uh, Chelsea Clinton. Chelsea Clinton is um, really trying desperately to make herself a political figure, trying desperately to revive the last hope of the Clinton dynasty to try and bring it back. And she's failed once again, and I'll share with you the, the evidence. It's a little bit of schadenfreude, so we need a little bit of schadenfreude today, don't we? And uh, around the corner, yeah, we're also going to share some of the strangest foods that are popping up at state fairs. Hmm. We'll check it out next on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, welcome back to Pure Opelka. It's a, a busy Saturday and this show followed by the amazing, the wonderful Jeff Fisher. Yes, Jeff Fisher and the Jeff Fisher program starting at the top of the nine o'clock hour Eastern. Jeffy will take you to noon and then Lawrence Jones steps in and we'll all be keeping an eye on Boston where there's a free speech rally, alleged free speech rally. Uh, Dallas and Houston have events today, just hoping that we can keep a lid on the violence and we don't have a repeat of what happened yesterday. If you missed the early part of the show uh, last hour, we had a pretty uh, frank interview with the editor, the London editor, Breitbart. So um, I, I want you to check it out. Uh, it's uh, it'll be on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, all the usual sources, <clears throat> and and it's interesting because he brought up some very very interesting points about Stephen Bannon. That's what we were talking about. I have regularly railed against Chelsea Clinton on this show because, frankly, what has she done other than be born? to Bill and Hillary Clinton. Chelsea Clinton has really done nothing other than be the child of the Clintons. Yes, she's mother to Charlotte and Aiden and married to a uh, wealthy guy as well. And she took plum jobs inside the Clinton Global Initiative and the Clinton Foundation and NBC paid her 600 plus thousand dollars a year to pretty much do nothing. That was buying access to her mom. Yesterday, Chelsea Clinton tweeted about, she was tweeting, you see, about, about the statue controversy, about all of, the, all of the noise to tear down the statues that offend people and erasing our history. And Chelsea Clinton tweeted, the story of Lucifer who rebelled against God is part of many Christians' traditions. 
I've never been in a church with a Lucifer statue. She's trying to make an interesting point there. And of course, Twitter responded. Twitter responded immediately with people showing churches, for example, Holy Trinity Church in Marlborne, Westminster, has a statue of Lucifer. There are others that have statues of Lucifer. St. Paul's Cathedral in Liege has a Lucifer statue. So yes, examples of, of what we would consider evil do exist. There are churches and cathedrals in the world that depict Lucifer in stained glass windows everywhere. Fascinating that she's allowed to get away with this. Well, I tweeted at uh, Ms. Clinton, and she has yet to respond because I was kind of curious about what she might say when, when someone would point out the fact that she should be familiar with the concept of Lucifer because her mother did her, her thesis on a book that was dedicated to Lucifer, on a book called Rules for Radicals, that um, in the very early part of the book, uh, they're calling it an epigraph. It is pretty much a dedication. Saul Alinsky in the first edition wrote, lest we forget at least an over-the-shoulder acknowledgement to the very first radical from all our legends, mythology, and history, and who is to know where mythology leaves off and history begins, or so which is which. The first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did it so effectively that he at least won his own kingdom, Lucifer. Saul Alinsky giving a nod to Lucifer in the first edition of Rules for Radicals. Hillary Clinton has a history of currying favor with Saul Alinsky. The letters that she wrote to Saul Alinsky are out there now, and you can read them. It is as much butt-kissing as you could ever want. It's, uh, it's amazing. I don't understand why the Clintons just don't say, Chelsea, you, you, you got a pretty good life ahead of you. You just need to relax and uh, take all the money we gave you from the Clinton Foundation that was supposed to rebuild Haiti and all that money you got from NBC and that hedge fund guy you're married to and just make money over and over again. Go buy some Bitcoin or something. But stay out of politics. It'll kill you like it almost killed your mother. When will we be through with the Clintons? I know. I'm a dreamer. I dream. I'm also dreaming of winning the Powerball, which is, uh, I was wrong earlier. It's $535 million. It's not, it's not $530 million. Another $5 million got slapped on. The drawing is tonight. If you choose to take the one giant check, it's $338 million in cash value. I did a rough estimate if you want to pay all the taxes at one time, which is what I would do. You're going to walk away with about $205 million tax-free. Just pause on that for a moment. 10% of that, just jump off 10%. That's going to go to various charities. You're going to have a $20 million charity fund. So you walk away with uh, $185 million, give or take, and you're able to then do whatever you want. And the crew here said, are you going to... Um, 
are you going to really quit? I said, no, I'm flying to Dallas private and I'm going to walk up to Glenn Beck and say, hello, partner. An homage to uh, Joe DiMaggio, who said that's what he would have said to George Steinbrenner if he had been playing in the Steinbrenner era in the Yankees. But yeah, we can all dream and I will dream. I still have to get to the uh, the tips from Dr. Rick Feinberg about the eclipse. I have story about more statue stupidity and uh, some stuff that happened. Oh, some stuff that happened over last week in New York that I, I just can't believe how stupid people are. I know. I know. Every day I, I think we've, we've found the new basement for stupid behavior. And then someone comes in with a jackhammer and digs deeper and deeper and deeper. So we'll get into the statues. We'll get into food from the fair. We'll get into the eclipse. We'll get into so much more and an update on today's vital question because it's popping too. a vital question that I would love for all of you to answer and participate. Is it time for us to stop playing the national anthem at sporting events? What do you think? Go to Twitter now and vote at StuntBrain or call us 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Crazy news out of New York today, and I have some dumb news out of New York, but if you've ever driven from uh, the 95 corridor up into New York, there are a couple of places where there are little drawbridges that go over waterways to let some bigger ships in. And, uh, Somebody pulled off a Dukes of Hazard moment this morning as uh, the drawbridge started to lift as the family was starting to drive across it. And the dad said he was worried the car would go backwards. So he just floored it <laughs> and did the Dukes of Hazard moment and jumped the car across the bridge. I love this. I love, well, thank God nothing, nothing bad happened, but dad, dad has taken the, taken the uh, statement now or taken the position that I will never, ever drive that bridge or probably any drawbridge again. <laughs> I wonder if there's any surveillance cameras from the drawbridge that captured the moment that this guy's car went over the bridge. They're just reporting it this morning, so uh, I'm sure somebody is subpoenaing the footage from the drawbridge, but he had to jump the drawbridge. 
Oh, the, I would love to do that. I would absolutely love to do that. Wouldn't you? I think we, I think we all would love to have that Dukes of Hazard moment. Uh, I'm sorry, am I not allowed to say Dukes of Hazard because it, it will trigger people because at some point there was a, uh, a Confederate flag on the roof of the General Lee. And speaking of Confederate, Duke University this morning, this morning has announced just minutes ago, it has removed the statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee after it was vandalized. Statue of Robert E. Lee has been removed from Duke University. Why? Because someone vandalized it. Now, are we going to remove all the statues that are hit by vandals? Are we going to let mob justice run this country? Is that what's going to happen now? We had in Houston the statue of Christopher Columbus vandalized. We had in uh, California by the missions the statue of St. Juniper Sarah. Father Sarah was vandalized. And they both had the words, uh, the word murderer placed or painted on them. I'm sorry, a, a Catholic missionary murderer? He's responsible for so many of, of the Latino Christians in California. So uh, I don't get it. And then there's news out of New Orleans where geniuses vandalized a statue with the words, take it down. Take it down was spray painted on this, on this statue that features a figure riding a horse. A figure with a flag, a figure, armor-covered figure. Was it General Lee? Was it Stonewall Jackson? Was it, who was this figure that was, was vandalized? It was Joan of Arc in the French Quarter, you idiots. The words, tear it down, sprayed in black paint across the base of the golden Joan of Arc statue right there on Decatur Street in the French Quarter. They've tried to remove most of it, but some of the words are still there. Tear it down. What the hell are we thinking? So now we're going to tear down, uh, let's see, Joan of Arc. Why, it, do, Joan of Arc, would, maybe this was spray painted by people that have an issue with strong women. Maybe that's what it was. Was this, was this someone who thought maybe Joan of Arc was a lesbian and they couldn't have that? That's probably who put that up there. Those darn conservatives who won't let same-sex or, uh, or uh, strong women be depicted in public. That's probably what happened. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Joan of Arc, take it down. Are you flipping kidding me? And then we go back to New York, where the social justice warriors are back on the scene. Now they want the statue that stands outside of the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. They want the racist statue of Teddy Roosevelt taken down. Teddy Roosevelt. The group put out a statement that reads, a stark embodiment of the white supremacy that Roosevelt himself espoused and promoted. 
This statue is seen as an affront to all who pass on pass it on entering the museum, but especially an affront to African and Native Americans. They also put up signs that said, Decolonize this museum. Black Lives Matter. Come on, people. Teddy. So if you take Teddy Roosevelt down, guess what? You're going to have to take down Mount Rushmore. And while we're at so who's left on Mount Rushmore? Will you leave Abe Lincoln? As we saw in Chicago this week, the Abe Lincoln statues aren't even safe. The bust of Abe Lincoln was attacked. It's insanity. It's absolute insanity. We, as I said yesterday, it's time for us to, to look for somebody to stand up as an adult and just say, stop it. Stop it right now. We may have that, pro- that person. Tuesday in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, the local chapter of the NAACP, the president there, Esther Lee, expressed her frustration with the current state of affairs in the U.S., talking about the statues. She said, you know, it's history. That, that was in that point in time. You can't eliminate what history is. So I disapprove with the young people pulling down these statues. This is the 84-year-old president of the NAACP in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. One of the leaders of the NAACP saying, look, this is senseless. It's all senseless. We're 108 years in the NAACP. It's pointless. That's her point. Maybe this is somebody who'll finally stand up and say, stop. No. We have to we have to call out we have to call out Bravo Sierra on this as soon as we can, as often as we can, and we have to do it as loudly as we can so people will calm the hell down. Man, it is maddening. It's it's maddening, I know. I'm gonna cut aside, cut out of here just a little bit early. When we get back, uh I do have uh some of the tips from uh Dr. Rick Feinberg. Uh, we'll get a checkup on today's vital question. And if he's around, I'll ask Jeffy his opinion on the vital question. And um, I, I found a list of some of the weirdest foods at state fairs. And I know Jeffy has talked about some of these. But I think I've found a couple I don't think he's ever heard of. And we'll, we'll pick his brain on that subject next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. Monday's Great American Eclipse is going to be one for the history books. To enjoy it safely, don't look directly at the sun when any part of its bright face is showing, unless you have a safe solar viewer. Hmm. 
You don't. You say. can use pinhole projection to view the solar eclipse safely. Okay. You can also get live video streams of the spectacle. Even yeah. if you don't live in the path of the moon's shadow, you can watch from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Volvo, the luxury car company, will live stream the solar eclipse in 360-degree virtual reality. That's uh, astronomer Rick Feinberg, Dr. Rick Feinberg. He might be joining us Monday uh, as uh, we chronicle this solar eclipse. The first one that's going to happen in uh, in America in uh, like 100 years, and then seven years later it happens again. And the one seven years from now will actually come down on an angle that'll go through Maine, New York, and then actually right through Dallas. So if you can wait seven years, you can save yourself a bunch of money, the people who are driving to get to the eclipse locations this year. We, we here in Delaware will experience 78% eclipse, and it'll be live during my program Monday, and uh, you can join us for that. So there'll be a discussion of that. Also joining us, I'm very honored. I'm thrilled. I, I don't think, I don't think he's been on this show before. I've been on his show. He was very gracious to me in the early days of this Saturday morning adventure. Jeff Fisher of the Jeff Fisher program, NFL coaching legend and radio star. So welcome, Jeff Fisher. Hello, Michael Pelka. I'm Hello, thrilled to have you here. Oh, I am thrilled to be here. Well, you're lying through your teeth, and I appreciate it. <laughs> What's up, Mike? I appreciate it. Listen, uh, it's very you know, kind of you to give helpful tips on viewing the eclipse. You, you got to love Dr. Feinberg, don't you? you he's, do. he's He's scintillating. He's agonizing. He's, you would think a guy that's witnessed 13 different eclipses in his life would have a little more juice in him. Are you going to be out <laughs> viewing it? Yeah, sure. Because uh, I, I, uh, I think it's a good idea. Why not? Just get out there. We're going to be live here Burn your uh, outside, out. you know. Do you have it's your glasses already? Oh, yeah. I, I made my own. <laughs> oh, they'll be fine then. Yeah, they're perfect. As a kid, you don't remember an eclipse as a child, and you didn't no, make Mike, your own. No, I don't. I don't remember doing that. That was a long time ago. I remember my grandfather telling me about how to do that in a box and look through little mirrors and holes, but I don't remember that. I guess the cruelty is supposed to make me feel bad. <laughs> It no, does. It just feels like you know. I I feel like I do actually remember, and it's like a hundred years ago. So I'm, you know, I actually am two hundred years old. Well, you know, it's it's something that uh, we can all look forward to, and then seven years from now we'll pretend we didn't remember it, and we'll do it again. I thought it didn't but, happen. It does happen in seven years from now t again. Yeah, and the se the one that. seven years from now comes right through Dallas. Oh, nice. Yeah, so you guys are you guys are in good shape. So the I money posted, that my wife spent on glasses and camera filters and everything is well spent because we'll be able to use it twice in my lifetime. Sure, because those paper glasses that you know they're made to last forever. No, we got a refund on those. <laughs> she actually she bought uh, one round that are that are approved by NASA, and then she brought another round. This fact, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, Amazon sent us an email going, "Ah, uh, those aren't going to work. We're just going to refund your money." And so, <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> appreciate it so i i wanted to see if they actually would work so i sent the kids out and i guess they don't work you're not supposed to look at the sun with those ones that yeah, aren't approved don't, by NASA. don't do that no i just took a bunch of old uh negatives from when we had film and cameras and stacked them together and taped them up and put them inside my glasses i mean and that's they'll genius. work pretty good that's genius yeah that should work 
until I'm now blind on so Tuesday. So I understand, uh, really, the reason that uh, I was told that, uh, you know, you wanted to talk to me a little bit is because, uh, you know, I actually, you know, you're saying that uh, Tony Kornheiser in your little Twitter question about playing the national anthem uh, yeah. at, at professional sporting events. But, you know, I, I don't remember if it was the Glenn Beck program or the Pat and Stu program, but I predicted this, that this you would did. happen. Because that's all that's left. I'm telling you, they're just want, they're just going to say, "Why do we play it at all?" And here it comes. Here it now. Well, yeah, it's. I mean, Kornheiser's trying to be funny, which he is not, but he's trying to be funny with his little. Oh, I like the Beach Boys. Okay, shut up. But he did. I think he was doing that to lessen what he anticipated be the blowback after he said, "You know, why are we playing the anthem?" I think he was trying to no, let possible. a little air out of the balloon. But right now, eighty-seven percent say no, never stop playing that. Yeah, I voted on that. That's what I clicked on. I did. Bl- I did vote your little vote for you, Mike. Well, we appreciate ah, you voting welcome. in our no little poll, yeah, as you, you know, say, your little Twitter poll. I wanted to play a lot. Jeffy, on your show, which follows this show immediately after here on the Blaze Radio Network, and you're I appreciate often you talking the groundwork for me. Well, yeah, I'm I'm the pre-show. Uh, you 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 often talk about food and like fair food, state fair food. Yeah, there's some good ones coming. The Texas fried beer at the Dallas fair. Are you going to be sampling that? So I think we are actually. Last year we went with uh, Pat and Stu, and I think we're going to do it again this year as well. And uh, yeah, we need a. Jeff, we need a budget for you to go to all these state fairs like California where they have the python kebabs. I think you need to be checking that out. I, I don't disagree. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to go out of my way to produce well, a show for the Blaze Network, you know, going to, you know, Jeffy Eats Fair Food. I'm all about that. Wisconsin, for example, has uh, Elvis on a stick Ooh. where um, they have a portable dessert, which is deep fried banana, peanut butter, cup with bacon that doesn't sound bad and ohio chocolate covered bacon on a stick oh see that sounds so good the mistake people make and we made this very same mistake last year and we won't make it again this year is not to go hungry you want to just try the stuff because we went hungry last year and we ate big the first few minutes and then by the end of the day you're sick well, I'm I'm almost at the end here, Jeffy, and uh, your your I mean, sage I'll talk wisdom. About more food, if you'd like, no problem. I I'm going to send you the link to these fair foods, and maybe you can plot out the trip and include me as a roadie. Absolutely, come on, let's go. I mean, there's nothing better than fried bacon and chocolate, Kool Aid pickles. Oh, oh. Oh, that's nasty. on the Blaze Radio Network.